You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. I'm excited to be here. My name is Josh Gray. I'm the lead servant, is what I try and call myself over in Moscow, because that's what I want to be, is serving people well. And so, privileged to be here. Uh, so, here's the first thing you need to know is your team and your pastors here, they love you a lot more than apparently I love my folks, because we're starting off this year here with like the basics of who we are, right? We believe that Jesus has a plan and method, and, and we're trying to follow it the best I can. So, you guys get share, connect, minister, and disciple over the next four weeks, and to learn what that looks like more in your life and how you can apply that. And those poor folks over in Moscow... We're starting off the series with guilt, shame, and conviction. I am not even joking. So uh, Marty's over there preaching today on guilt. Thank goodness I got out of that one. I'll just do shame next week. It'll be easy. So your folks love you a lot that we get to do this. So um, yeah, it's super exciting that we have you know this unity with uh, the other real life churches. And here's the deal: like uh, things ha- that things have changed. You have a different color logo, and it's real life church, and we're real life Moscow on uh, on the Palouse or whatever our name is now. Uh, all those things, and we have different colors of logos. But here's what we're the same as: we exist to reach the world for Jesus Christ, one person at a time. Right, and that's what's happening in Post Falls and in all these other churches around. Like that's our deal. It's like that's what we're here for. That's why I'm on this earth is to reach the world for Jesus, one person at a time, and who God would have for me to do that. And the that, so that's the vision. That's what we're about. And the mission, the way that we do that is we create biblical disciples in relational environments. And so when we talk about this, we have a shared common theme and common knowledge of how we viewed and saw Jesus acting. And we want to emulate that the best we can because to be Christians, we want to be Christ-like, and we want to model what we saw him doing. And so, um, I, I, with this sermon series, when we kicked it off over there, it's the thing that, that God had put on my heart for this series is, uh, with the share portion of this, is we get to share Christ with the dying, dying world around us. Like, how do we do that? What is it? What did it look like for you? And I don't know what it looked like for me, is I was not, I did not come to my salvation in Jesus Christ through an amazing sermon, uh, I, didn't, I didn't come, somebody didn't theologically convince me that this God that I couldn't see, feel, touch, or smell existed, and then I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, so I'm going to do that now. Someone shared, like I saw something different about somebody, and they shared that the hope that they had. And so I want you to know that your story matters. You know how God is going to reach the world, uh, reach the world, you know how he's choosing to do that? You and me. You are the message. You're the messenger and the message. And so when you think about what does it look like to, to know, I want you to be overarching. Like, like I'm going to ask you to be prepared to know your story well. Do you have a two-minute version of your story? Do you have a five-minute version of your story? Do you have a 30-minute version of your story? If I say, hey, come on up right now, ma'am, we'd love for you to just share your story with us for the reason, for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Are you prepared and ready to do that? Because the text would say that we should be prepared. First Peter three fifteen through seventeen says, "But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord." And I was preparing for this. I stopped right there, and I was stuck there for a while. Because on occasion, I have reduced my walk with the Lord down to He's a, He's the Savior, and that's it. So, if, is God just your Savior, or is He also the Lord over your life? And there's a difference. 
versus getting just a get out of hell free card, right? Because we're here to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And if you have a crappy life, the rest of the time you're here, so what? You're not going to hell. I don't think that's what he meant. I don't think that's how it works. Is you would actually be changed by him and changed to reach people and change. We're not just looking for the get out of the get out of hell free card. And so if it's just about becoming, uh, and those are, I'm not trying to minimize that, right? Like how many people in here need to be saved? Needed, needed a savior. Like I was like, yeah, me, me too. Like I need a savior. Like, yes, I needed it so bad, but I didn't just get left there that I just have a savior. Now I needed to learn how to make him Lord of my life. So when it says here, uh, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, that's more than just a savior. Now a Lord is going to help you uh, change and be molded into what God would have for you. So he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason, asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So that's a mandate for all of us. Are you prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have? Are you ready to do that? So we're going to start right here. No. Uh, come on up. No. Uh, are you prepared to give a reason for the, for the hope that you have? When you lose your job, when things go sideways for you, when your, your kids may be acting out or, or you're going through a horrible time in a relationship or all those things, what do people see about you? How do you handle that? How do you handle, because guess what happened to me? As soon as I accepted the Lord, I never had a problem again. Everything was perfect. Never had any challenges. My kids do exactly what I asked them to do every time the first time. Yeah, <laughs> he said, we need to talk. And he knows that I'm lying. If my lips are moving, I'm lying, then no. Uh, but, but like, no, I have like all kinds of problems. And I needed a way to, to work that out and to understand that. And I needed to do that through relationship. And so it talks about, again, so, so what is this reason for this hope that you have? And when you, when you give this reason, you should do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed for their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to, do, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Your story matters. How are we going to, to reach the world for Jesus Christ one person at a time? What does that look like? We talk about share, connect, minister, and disciple, these four parts here. So we're talking about share. So what does it look like for you to share your life with people? What does it look like for you to be prepared to share what God is doing in your life and how you've been changed? And you're like, well, I, I don't really know. I haven't had a great year. Okay, great. Well, what's this year going to look like? How is he going to be changing your heart, right? And I, I think about this. God calls you his treasured possession. Why does he treasure you? Because he created you and he's using his children, us, to connect with the other children because he wished that how many would be lost? None would be lost from him. And so he wants to use your story. And think about this. I think about uh, the crazed demoniac, right? So Jesus, they cross, they cross the... Uh, the, the lake, the, the um, Sea of Galilee, and they cross that, and he gets out, and there's this guy, and he's, argh, he's just like got chains on him. I just picture him foaming at the mouth, and he's just, he's going through agony, and he breaks his chains, and he's just like, he's this crazed demoniac, and everybody knows old crazy Bob, or whatever his name is, who lives on the outskirts of town, and you, you read about, and he's, and this guy wants to be free. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I have stuff in my life where I'm like, I don't look like that, but I'm like that. I need to be free. And so what does Jesus do? 
Jesus sees him, sees him and has compassion on him and sees him. And then he comes in there and he calls out all of those, those evil spirits within him and puts them into the pigs. And the pigs run off the, off the cliff there. And, and what does this guy want to do? So he's now freed. He's like, he's a new person. And he's like, he doesn't have all this, these chains, these heavy chains of sin and shame and all of these things that maybe some of us carry around. And he's free. And he wants to hold on to Jesus. And he's like, I want to go with you. Can you just imagine? Like, I would hold on to Jesus' leg like a little kid. And he'd be like, get off me. And I'm like, no, I want to go with you, Lord. You just did something amazing in my life. And I'm, I have a chance now. And what did Jesus tell him to do? Yeah, get in the boat. Come on, let's go. No. Go back to where you're from. You're the crazy chain foaming in the mouth person. And tell them what happened to you. After you learn all of the Torah and memorize Romans Road, oh wait, didn't have that yet, and do all these things and get your intellectual mind right, then you... No. Go. And do you know... Thousands and thousands of people got to see that. And they got to hear the story and this change of this person's life. When we did this uh, sermon in Moscow, I had a, a guy at our church, and he got a chance to share his story um, as part of where we're modeling and how to share a story. And so Donald got up there, and uh, he almost died three times in 2013 of drug problems. Uh, he was a drug user and dealer and um, had a horrible upbringing. Uh, his story is amazing. And so he comes up there and he shares his story. And then after that, uh, we're coming up and we're talking about that. And then there's a picture. And uh, there's Donald and his wife and his, and his little boy. The only thing he didn't get saved on is he was wearing a Ducks jersey. That was the only problem. He had an Oregon Ducks jersey on. I'm sorry. I, that this probably shouldn't even say that in this room, you know. That's the only thing. But but like Donald's life is dramatically different. And you know what saved him? It wasn't somebody's great intellect. It wasn't somebody uh, that that had it all figured out. It wasn't the pastor. Somebody saw him. So it starts with seeing people, like having your eyes and antenna up off of yourself and your life and the things that are going on in you and actually seeing God's people. Somebody saw him and said, Donald, is this how you want to live your life? Because you're going to be dead soon. Is this what you want? And he's like, no, I don't want that. I want out of that. He's like, come on. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you what happened to me. And he told them the story of what happened to him and how he went to this rehab place and how this rehab place helped him get clean and start figuring that out and how this rehab place helped him introduce him to, to Christ and he saw all these changes. And so as the story goes on, Donald goes to rehab twice, fell out the first time, came back the second time and, and comes out and he ends up marrying his girlfriend uh, and his fellow drug user with, the, I mean, they end up getting married. He ends up getting a real job. He ends up uh, having a son and so as we're building this story on the stage, just picture this, you know, and then Donald has just shared his testimony much better than I did. Uh, and we're building the story and you see Donald and Katie and their son there. And then all of a sudden we start building the story more. And then you know what Donald did with his story? He shared it. And so we're standing on stage and then he introduces this next guy. I don't remember his name. We'll just use Bob because we're using Bob. And he, Bob comes up out of the audience. He's like, Bob, come here. And Bob comes up out of the awesome. This is Bob. He and I were drug dealers together and users together. And uh, come bring your wife up here. And his wife came up and his kids came up. 
and like they have real jobs and like have a house with a front and a backyard. Like for him, it's, his mind is blown, but somebody shared his story with him. And that's the power. And we just kept building it and we had a group of people. We're like, how do you stay on the same straight track, Donald? He's like, I've got my home group. I'm in a home group. I'll never, I don't miss home group. Uh-uh. Home group's my deal. Like we walk together. We do life together. And so you see the power of your story. God's word is amazingly powerful and it should be uh, saturating your heart. And worship is amazing. How, you guys have such good worship here. I interviewed uh, uh, Chris and Mariah, and then uh, and Thad interviewed him, and then he got him. And uh, no, we have great worship too, but you guys have great worship here. And do you believe what you're saying? Do you believe what you're saying when you're worshiping like, Lord, Lord, I need you now. Help me, Father. And so I guess when I think about the stories and where we're going and what we're doing, like part of the share, connect, minister, and disciple, are you willing and prepared to share your story? Do you know how to share your story? Well, it used to be called testimony in the church days. We're doing testimony night. No, share your story over a cup of coffee with somebody who's broken and hurting and wants to know, why do you have hope? Man, you you have hope. I don't understand that. You should be mad and angry at the person. I kind of am, but I'm working through it. I have hope. I've been forgiven before. What do you mean you've been forgiven before? Well, let me talk to you about that. And you could share your story. And sharing your life is not easy and it's not clean. And Jesus worked with everybody, right? And we have, uh, in Luke 19, we have Zacchaeus and the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Uh, and a man was there, the name of Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. You know why he was wealthy? Tax collectors, right? Two for the Roman government, one for me and one for you. Next. Two for the Roman government, one for me and one for you. Next, what do you think they thought about uh, Zacchaeus? Do you know how crazy, do you have any idea how crazy it is that he would be one of the 12? They don't like him. Like, they're like, yeah. They're like the people you don't like the most that have the different political beliefs that you do that are like Oregon Duck fans and stuff, like, like you had to hang out with him for three years. The people that stole from you, that took from you, like, it's crazy. He was like, e, get away. Like, you would, you would, Jesus, you would even acknowledge that or talk to that? What is wrong with you, Jesus? He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached his spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. What did Jesus do? Oh, he saw him. He saw him. Are we seeing the people that God is putting in our path? Are we bold enough to want to be in a relationship with them and, and share with them the hope that we have? So when he reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest with that sinner. You know what I'm really grateful for? That Jesus Christ has gone to be the guest of this sinner. And I don't know about you guys, but like, thank you, Lord. I need you, Father. Thanks for being willing to be with me. You know, we talk about this, uh, our definition of disciple and, and what does it look like and what we're supposed to be doing. In Matthew uh, 28, 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's a lot of authority. Here's what I want to tell you guys. He's like, come on, guys. This is the last huddle. Here's what I want to tell you. All of authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So here's what I want you to do. 
Therefore, what's it there for? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make students of all nations. Go and make people who will emulate and, and, and do what I'm, I've taught you to do. Like fruits of the spirit. Like sharing your story. Like seeing people's needs. Right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am always with you to the very end of the age. So what does it look like in 2020 to be believers who understand what it means to share Christ with the dying world? Well, it starts with you knowing your story and taking the time. So we did this in our home groups. Um, I don't know what Adam's plan is, but we did this in our home groups. And we each took, and we had five minutes. I set a timer right there on my iPhone. And it was, guy went first because I tried to model it. And my beautiful wife, Carrie, went second. It took us like 10 weeks to get through all the stories in our, in our group. We just did about one a week. And we just said, okay, well, next week you're going to be up. And so they're like, okay. And so the person coming there, like, okay, I'm going to tell my story. This is, the, and it's, it was amazing to me how many folks were not comfortable with telling their story. Not comfortable with transparency and vulnerability and all those things, even within their home group. But guess what we all know about each other in my home group now? We know their stories. And guess what? I, whenever I know that somebody is, has gone through like a, a rough divorce time and they have kids that they're dealing with, you know who I can connect them with? My guy in my, my group. Oh, man, let me, now you got to meet Ken. I go over there and introduce him to Ken. And Ken can share his story and why he has hope. And so knowing each other's story is really important because maybe it's not your story that's going to change, change that particular person's life, but knowing somebody else's story that you can introduce them to is pretty darn important if we're here to reach the world. Is everybody saved in Pullman? We got like two left in Moscow, I think. <laughs> One, two or three left. No. And what's God, how does he want to save the world? Through his son. And how does his son affect you? What's your life like because of your introduction to Jesus Christ? So what did they do at the early church? What should you guys do? What should we do? They devoted themselves to the apostles, uh, teaching and fellowship. So just because you don't have to be a Bible scholar does not give you uh, the freedom to not love and dive into God's text and know what it says about salvation. But is that the first part of what you're doing? I get my megaphone right here and I'm like, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You're a sinner. You're going to hell. It says it right here. All have fallen short from the glory of God. Do you know that about yourself? How's that method going to work here in Pullman? Probably not great, right? But hey, better than sitting, laying on the uh, ambitious boy recliner and um, thinking about how someday I might maybe talk to somebody. They have a recliner for you folks called a lazy boy. Um, but, you know, the ambitious boy recliner. You don't know that one? All right. It's, a, it's, a, it's an Idaho joke. It's all right. Um, so, uh, but... Like, at least somebody's doing something, but that's probably not the best way. It probably should be done with gentleness, right? Didn't it say that over here in the first verse? So when you talk to people, when you do this with gentleness and respect, when you share your story, the reason that for the hope you have, you do it with gentleness and respect. And maybe you could even do it through relationship. Because that's, that's what happened to me. And so they devoted themselves uh, to the teachings of, of the apostles and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Wait a minute, now we got to break bread with people? We got to spend time with them. Do you know how busy I am? Busy doing what? Busy reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Is that your number one goal when you wake up and your feet hit the floor? Boom. Who am I going to reach for the world for Jesus one person at a time today? Who is it? Lord, bring them to me, Lord. I'm ready. Oh, 
well, maybe it's different, right? I know that's something I have to work on. I, 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 you know, I do it for a living, and that's not the first thing that, that I think when my feet hit the floor. Oh, wouldn't that be cool if I started to change my thinking? So everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs uh, were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and broke bread in their home and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So is this like the grow a big church speech? Nope. Nope, this is not a grow a big church speech. This is an obedience lesson to do what God has asked us to do. Regardless of where you go to church, regardless of where you live, we live in transitional communities where people are moving in and moving out and all those things. And what I would want them to leave here knowing is like, I'm here to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. That's why God has me. He does everything. Watch, watch this, watch. Look at this. He just gave me a breath. He just gave me a breath. He owns everything about me. Well, sell my possessions if he told me to. I sold my career. I left my, my, my career I'd been in for 10 years reaching the point where it was going to be awesome and I was going to be super rich to go clean a van the next day. Can you imagine that? I was suited up insurance guy, six-figure insurance guy. My first day, you know what they had me do on my first day at my church job? Hey, go clean the van. You know what I was thinking as I was sitting there picking gum and candy out of every hole that the youth kids left in this van and all those things? And I'm like, did I, I'm, did I make the wrong turn at Albuquerque here? I thought I was a six-figure insurance guy. Now I'm, I'm much less than that cleaning a van. But you know whose van it is? It's the Lord's van. I, I was cleaning that van. I was like, thank you, Lord, for letting me clean your stuff. I cleaned the van. And now sometimes he lets me work on people's hearts. When my heart is right. And my heart is right because it's not right all the time. But because I can try to pour in all these things that I'm learning about Jesus. About gentleness. About self-control. About seeing people. About knowing that my story isn't just mine. I don't get to keep it and hold it. And it's my precious over here. Like, like, no. Guess what? He gave you your story. And I hope you don't have an awful, like, amazing, crazy story. Like, that's not the goal. How many people want their kids to just have a horrible, like, addiction story? And, like, you had, like, no. Like, I want my kids to have a much different story than I could have had. Right? But they need to share their story because it's God's. And so, sure, we should sell all of our stuff. We should do all those things. But what does it look like to share Christ with the dying world? I believe, first of all, it starts with he becomes your Savior. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we'd love to talk to him about that. It's a big deal. Right? He paid it all. We sang about it. Right? But don't just leave him as your savior. He needs to be your Lord. And there's a transition that happens there when he becomes your Lord and we start listening to what he's actually asking us to do. And we're obedient and we step out in faith and we take risks and we share our stories because our eyes are up and we're looking at people because like, even though the guy was wearing an Oregon Ducks jersey, look at all the people in his life that he affected because of a story. So there's a couple things uh, that I've observed people doing with their stories and some things that I have done with my story in the past. So number one, I, I, when I first got saved, I was pretty passionate, pretty fired up about it, and I did rock the boat. And they're like, man, you could like lose your job for talking to people about Jesus. So how many, like there's people in here that you, don't raise your hand, but like you could lose your job if you talk to somebody about Jesus. Yep. Okay. Do you think that 
God could provide you another job if you lost it because, yeah, probably, I'm not saying to go against, you know, I don't, I don't want a bunch of people losing their jobs, but I'm saying, like, if God's prompting you and putting people in an introduction, like, are you going to take a risk to tell your story? See, people can argue with theology. They can argue with, with, with the science and all these other things, but you know what they can't argue with? Is your story, because you know whose story it is? It's what happened to you. It's how God changed you, right? And so using your story for his kingdom, for his purposes. So sometimes we don't rock the boat. We keep our, we, well, you know, if, if somebody attacked me and they're like, Josh, why do you have this hope? Tell me about Jesus. I probably could do it. Versus actually having my eyes up and seeing people and seeing hurts and seeing pains and be like, hey, brother, I'm just going to talk to you. How, how's it going? How are you really doing? Man, that's tough, isn't it? And let's get together and have a cup of coffee. And listen and ask questions and listen and ask questions and listen and ask questions and listen and ask questions. And you know what they're going to do? After they're done talking and they've said everything they've told you, their story and how broken it is and how messed up you know. How about you, Josh? Man, I'd love to share with you. I, 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 and you could resonate with all those things, but you've made a connection there and you get to share with them. And then you take them the next step as you're like, hey, why don't you come with me to my home group? There's other people that have stories like yours, man. Hey, I want to introduce you to Bob. You would really relate to him because you know other people's stories. So uh, sometimes I'd become a chameleon with my story. I'd only, it only worked and, and it would come out uh, in certain areas and like you couldn't see it. And, and as I was going through struggles in my life, so I accepted the Lord in 1994, started following Jesus the best that I could, had a giant gambling addiction in 2005, and I was ashamed of my story. I was a Christian. I was in a home group. I was in a me and three accountability group. I was doing all these things that you're supposed to be doing. I was fake. Gosh, I was fake. So my story became a chameleon. I was ashamed. I was ashamed of my story. I added some things to my story that I didn't need to add to my story. So I just kind of hid it. You know what happened to that story now, though? It's more powerful than ever. Right? So like you're going to make mistakes. Life's going to go sideways for you, and your story's going to continue to evolve and change, but you need to be prepared to give an answer. Right? And those mistakes weren't made in vain. Use your story. And then there's other times where I'm just super bold, but only in a safe group. I'll tell you guys right here, because you have to listen to me, because I have the microphone. Until he mutes me. No. Um, but like, how, how are you looking at your story? Are you, are you prepared? Are you bold just in your, in your home group? Are you bold? Like my, my, I was shocked. My folks weren't even bold in the home group. It was a safe church environment. We'd been in a home group for a year, and they're nervous to tell their story. What do you think the odds are they're going to tell their story to somebody that they met? I don't know. We've got to practice. We've got to get reps. Right? So I guess what I would share with you guys as we're talking about share, connect, minister, disciple, we're here. We exist to, to reach the world for Jesus Christ one person at a time. It is done through God's word. It is done through the Holy Spirit and his appointments, but really, he uses you. You are the message and the messenger. And we're pointing to Jesus Christ and the changes that have happened in your life. And please be willing to use your story because the rest of the stuff, who do we have to connect? Who do we have to minister to? Who do we have to disciple to if we're not reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time, right? 
So um, we're going to take this opportunity to have communion. And one thing I love about all the real lives I've ever been to is we celebrate communion every week. So if you're going to serve that, thank you so much for serving that. Um, we have an open table for communion. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and is your Savior, this is a great time. We want to examine our hearts when we take communion. What's going on in my heart, in my life, and where am I at? Is there anything I need to get out, get out? anything I need to ask God for forgiveness for? What do I need to do to prepare my heart to receive Jesus' story? Because that's what it is, right? This is the pinnacle of, of uh, a piece of his story where he's going to go. And he's going to go hang on a cross. Isn't it amazing? We're still talking about that story 2,020 years later. We're talking about this story. We celebrated it. How many people are going to be talking about your story 2,020 years from now? Yeah, probably not. Anybody's going to talk about my story in a couple hundred years. But it lives on through Jesus Christ, Right? So I want to hit a couple of these questions here as we're, as we're passing these out. So questions for the week. Whether you use these in your home group, whether you just sit around your table, it would be great. I'd love to see families sitting around their table and saying, all right, how, how has someone else's story impacted you? And go around. And you have dad talk about it. So I would talk about uh, Rick Layton. And I would talk about this guy who impacted my life, who let, helped lead me to an understanding of the Lord and what his life was like. And he came from a divorced home and that he, he was a, a beat up, abused kid. And he was bold enough to share, share his story with me that made me comfortable enough to, to want to follow him and listen to him. So you all have a story. Does your family know? Dads, moms, do your kids know your story? Or you have to wait till they're old enough to handle it. Now my kids know my story. They know. Uh, how has God shaped your story? You know, that what I found is when we were doing this with our home groups, the longer uh, that somebody had been alive, the harder it was for them to fit their story into five minutes. We put a five-minute timer on it. And so like, this guy worked a full day to get his story down to five minutes, and he started had to get rid of stuff that didn't matter. Not that it didn't matter, but like, what did he really, really wanted to say? The less amount of time that you have, the longer you take to work on it. So, how has God shaped your story? And how has God used your story? And if you can sit there and be like, yep, never used it at all. All right. Interesting. Is that a good thing? Or should we be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have? Amen? All right. Well, this is the pinnacle. This is what he has done for us. So, Jesus, on that night he was betrayed, he held up the bread and he'd given thanks. And when he broke it, he said, this is my body, which is for you. It's a story. Remember his story. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, we remember your story. And in the same way, he took the, uh, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it. And remembrance of me. What are we remembering? Thank you for your story. Father God, I just, first of all, just um, ask for your hand to continue to be upon this body. I love this church. I love what you're doing in Pullman through the folks here. There are stories in this room, Lord. Amazing stories of where you gave people hope. 
There's people in this room today, Lord, that they need to re-up. They need to tie another knot in the rope of hope towards you. Lord, prepare us for this next season, this next year, that we would share just as, as, as your son shared. He shared about you. He shared about what you would look like the fruits of the Spirit, who you are, how you would act, and how you would react. Help us to be more like you, Father. Let us have eyes that would see people, ears that would sit and listen and ask great questions, and a mouth that would speak and share, and would share a story that points to you and to to salvation through you. And help, help me, Lord, to continue to to have you be the Lord of my life, not just my Savior, but Lord over it and give me guidance and wisdom. So Father God, we just thank you for this time. We praise you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.